get this started here. So um, anybody have any uh, things that they want to start off with uh, to discuss with these the, the second half of the first lecture? And even if we uh, dabble into the, the first half and stuff too, but there was a lot of stuff uh, that <laughs> in this entire lecture, so it's hard to kind of hit every single thing. But one thing that I um, thought was interesting, sorry, um, go ahead. No, no, that's okay. I, I just had a question on something, but go ahead. Uh -huh. Yeah, I was just uh, just a, a fun little tidbit or whatever. Um, in that Isaiah 30 uh, reference there, uh, talking about the tablets. Um, so what are these tablets? We don't know. I suppose one of these days they'll turn up in the Middle East or somewhere, <laughs> wherever Isaiah put them. I thought that that was like an interesting thing. I, I don't remember hearing that the first time around, and I kind of forgot that uh, there will be future uh, Isaiah material uh, to come forth in, in the restoration or in the end times kind of a thing. I thought that was just an interesting thing that it kind of slipped my mind. Uh, I don't know when or if I even heard that before. But yeah, anyway. Do we really have any of the tablets though? Yeah, we, what did he say? The the Ben Asher Codex or something like that um, is kind of- But they, were, they were old. They weren't as old as the Old Testament was what I was gathering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, so we just have the copies of copies. We don't have any originals or, or anything, which would be awesome. <laughs> um, I was wondering in the time step 3119, mm -hmm. talks about some ghost, let's see. Well, he talks about near-death experiences and how they're precious. They all come cohere with each other. Some go straight to heaven in a near-death experience. Others go straight to hell. Why? Because there are all these spiritual levels. And so it depends on which level you're at when you go into the spirit world and where you are when you get there. Some people are shown these different spiritual levels of hell. Then they clean up their act. Then they end up in a better place the next time they go, when they finally go there. I just thought that was kind of interesting because... Not everybody has near-death experiences, so anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what do you think? Do you uh, know what I'm alluding to? <laughs> 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 One thing I really like about the, the lecture series is he really doesn't kind of hold back. I mean, there there are a couple things that he kind of a little bit beats around the bush, but for the most part, he's, he's selling uh, a lot of his uh, thoughts and opinions after reading those those different things, right? Yeah, because he doesn't come right out and say it, but it's like, not everyone has near-death experiences. Most people don't. Mm -hmm. So when they finally get there, and it makes me think of, I think there's, I think we've talked about this before, three or four references in the Book of Mormon where it says to go no more out. And it's like, what do you mean to go? There's nothing. No explanation, nothing, just to go no more out. Mm -hmm. um, so anyways, just thought it was interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've read dozens and dozens of near-death books over my life. I got interested in them as a teenager. And most of them are, you know, full of light and joy and, and, and people have, um, beautiful things dawn on them but a few that i've read uh, one in particular that comes to mind the man was an atheist and 
um, very idolatrous, uh, just a very negative, um, dark influence in his in his world. And he was very sick in another country and ended up dying in the hospital. Um, and he did. He went to a very dark, painful, sad, lonely, awful place, and he was in torment um, for a great amount of time. Like it, it was not just a quick taste. And until he came around to remembering somebody mentioned Jesus in his life and told him he better find him. Um, then did he, when he became humble enough, he called out for the savior and the darkness was taken away gradually in, in stages as he, um, recognized the saving power of the savior bit by bit, like nothing was instantaneous. So that really surprised me that, um, as we learn here, you know, we, we get, we grow, um, incrementally. So did he in that dark place that he was at and recognized that it was dark for the lack of Christ. So and that was, that. yeah, that, very influential. It reminds me of, um, and that was one of the things that I really remembered that really just struck me in visions of glory when somebody went to like a, a bar or something and they realized I shouldn't be here. And, and they, the Holy ghost didn't go in with them, but as they called in their heart, just, Oh my, my goodness, heavenly father, please help me. Just like that instantly they had angels around them to help support them. And so that kind of reminds me like, all you have to do is call on the name and help will come. So yeah, I like that. Yeah, very interesting. It kind of makes you have, uh, never want to have surgery in a foreign country, right? Because <laughs> that's where <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these near the experiences come. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, think you John... that, but for our other people, our country is the foreign country. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or do we so that we have these experiences? Can <laughs> <laughs> I think one of John Pontius's great um, descents also was in, in Mexico hospital. Mm -hmm. and he was on a respirator that wasn't dialed in correctly. Can you imagine that torture? Like, oh my mm -hmm. goodness. Like, I get panic attacks just listening to that. Like, knowing that you can't breathe and knowing that there's nothing you can do. So you just totally lean into the Lord in that. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, yeah. <laughs> It stresses me right out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, let's see. So Claire's saying the book Return from Tomorrow. And so that's the one Shalise was talking about. The or uh, I read that one as a teenager, but that wasn't what I was referencing. Okay. Yeah. I haven't really read that many near-death experiences and stuff, like Visions of Glory and John Pontius and um uh Richardson, Lance Richardson's. Yeah. But I, I bought quite a few. I just haven't read them yet. So I, I'm excited to kind of dive into those. Like you, Shalise, I've been, um, I read a lot when they first started coming out in the 90s. Um, and I actually picked up a few that I've already read that I have. The message, I love the message. But um, I have been watching them on YouTube and they're super interesting. Mm -hmm. Just lately, like really so as you're yeah. going through those, everyone, uh, 
do you find that almost all of them are like what kind of percentage would you say are they feel good like they feel honest versus people just kind of trumping things up jumping on a bandwagon to say things right like what kind of percentage would you say do you find I think they're all honest because they're all very different even though they're kind of the same I think they're all very different and I don't know about you Shalise or anyone else that's been reading or I think the thing that is the most scary at least for me is the life review and and experiencing what we've done to people from their perspective mm. and the interesting thing to me is sometimes people skip over it and the guy will ask so a lot of people have life reviews did you and they're like oh yeah but they don't seem as scary to them mm -hmm. as it kind of does to me like I yeah because you think you're doing a great job but you never realize who you've hurt or offended or whatever and so that's scary for me but I'm surprised at how many people even just skip over it or just kind of lightly mention it like it wasn't as bad as I imagine it would be <laughs> yeah for sure so like the the reason I asked that is because most people uh like in in this kind of a time frame um are fairly turned off by near-death experiences because of Daybell's Julie Rowe kind of things or whatever and so uh, I always hesitate like mentioning those in front of people right like near-death experiences I don't really like to go there um but I haven't necessarily took a, a deep dive into lots of them or or anything like that uh, I just know that it's kind of a, a tricky subject now that we have some Daybells did Daybells do that I don't remember well, them just that they it. were involved with Julie Rowe and Julie Rowe got ostracized like I don't know just um that just that situation or whatever just kind of put a stigma on it okay because yeah I didn't I didn't associate those with Daybell's mm -hmm. yeah, Julie Rowe publisher I read her I started reading her first book and I was like everything she's saying is in the scriptures so I don't know what's so different and I put it away I never picked it up again because mm -hmm. I didn't feel like it was anything different or what new is that the right word I don't know Mm -hmm. yeah. so I didn't really get involved with her much yeah. um let's see what are some other <laughs> I also like the the point in here when he talks about uh a manual for dummies or whatever the Isaiah for dummies and he's like after reading those you become more of a dummy like <laughs> I, I find that so interesting right that we are always yeah. looking for the easy way to study and never taking the the harder challenging path right like if we're building muscle it's going to take work um and uh, I've sold many of you before like my favorite books uh like commentary books don't even have commentaries the uh, book of mormon made harder the doctrine and covenants made harder series by Faulkner uh is like an amazing one because it doesn't commentate it just asks questions and helps you develop a good um, ability to ask questions of the scriptures as you're reading them and stuff versus, you know, all these things for dummies that just give you some of their answers and their personal revelation and apply it to the whole kind of a thing. And <laughs> it's very detrimental. Like Alvarez says here, uh, you'll, you'll become more of a dummy if you start reading this. Uh, found that very interesting and very true especially with Isaiah because I don't know how many times I, before I found uh, Abraham's uh, words and, and tools and stuff 
that I read Isaiah commentaries and it still never got there because it was coming from a softball perspective, you know, <laughs> not a, a hard hitting type of thing. Yeah. And, and uh, I like how he, you know, when he's comparing, um, when he's going through the seven woes in second mm -hmm. Nephi 28, um, uh, I just, I love that section. And uh, what timestamp on that? Do you have it? Oh, no, I didn't do good at keeping track. Okay. I should, I sh I'll have to remember to do that. But, um, and just, I, I think that kind of falls into, you know, I, um, I don't know, woe to those who hearkeneth to the precepts of men and crieth all as well, and um, who have received and, you know, say we need no more, those kind of things. Like, I think that it, seeing where we are as a whole and i know i i was there um it's no wonder that we go for the dumbed down version you know the easy to digest the milk i guess so often but what i don't even know sometimes like he says that that book it makes you more of a dummy it's maybe it doesn't even classify as milk because it's not you know, so so often it's just full of precepts of men, right? That he says that we, you know, somebody writes it in a book and then all of a sudden it's gospel and we start quoting it and it becomes doctrine, right? So anyways, I don't know where I was going with that. I just, I just really liked that, how he went through that. I like that second Nephi part too. I was reading it yesterday, the, the different woes. And it struck me that the one we have already received is mentioned four times. Mm. That one is the one that keeps being repeated. So I think that's a message to pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think Help it's me. interesting that everybody wants the meat. Everybody's asking, where's the sealed portion? When are we going to get it? And yet we still go for the milk, right? Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think there's a lot that we can learn um just by replowing the field as we develop i found as i develop each time i go through the book of mormon again i learn more so why are we looking beyond you know not that we're, it's wrong but why are we anticipating being given something else when there's still so much work to do with what we've already get, been given that's a good thing including uh digesting isaiah yeah because once you have like a good framework around isaiah then the whole thing starts making sense yes there's lots of levels of, of uh stuff to go through still but at the same time it's like it's so much easier because like you finally see the overarching picture and you're like oh here's where we're getting at and now i can apply that to the the rest of it uh, like Eldon says here, we have to do our own diligence to earn the divine understanding. It's not just given because just like any little kid, right? <laughs> like if you give them way too much, they're just like their head spinning. What it, it's to their detriment rather than um, uh, actually learning in, in good digestible chunks, right? 
uh, anybody that's uh, in our Hebrew group, right? Like, if you just give you the entire Bible in a new language, it's not going to do any good. But if you have your your, your building blocks and you start uh, learning how to to digest the milk, even, uh, and then get to to meet uh, principles and some grammar and, and this and that. Uh, like what a loving heavenly father that allows us to choose the timing of all of that rather than just force feeding all of this this meat to us and stuff if you're ready to come to me i'm ready to come to you like i cooked a really great steak but <laughs> you got to learn to to appreciate it right and if you want yeah. the hamburger you're welcome to it <laughs> the peanut butter and jelly <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i have to say Avraham doesn't make me very encouraged because he spent his entire life just studying Isaiah like and he's still learning so you got Isaiah you got the Book of Mormon you've got all the rest of the Old Testament the New Testament <laughs> yeah. I'm like I'm just not very hopeful I'm going to get very much understanding in this life <laughs> yeah. I, I tend to think that um what we have right now and what we're doing as a community here on Zoom, coming together and supporting one another in taking those steps. Um, I feel like these are really important pieces to being able to one day receive whatever it is that it will be forthcoming. Uh, that I sometimes wonder if there's not going to be a great shock effect among the LDS communities regarding whatever that is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just speculating, but I've often wondered if that is going to be the big stumbling block that leads in part to so many people falling away or losing their faith. And um, so I feel like what we're doing with whatever tools we have available now is going to stand us in better stead. And it's part of being prepared for what comes forth. I agree with you, Lisa. That was very well said. Thank you. And so just a devil's advocate question, because I know that there's lots of different opinions on it and stuff. So, you know, don't get me wrong. But um, do you think that the sealed portion or the, the mysterious type of, of teachings um, are going to be had as as a collective or can they be received as soon as an individual is ready for them kind of a thing so does that make sense like is it going to be that uh some prophet is uh called to translate it and then distribute it or if we are righteous enough and and we get to the point where we are able to immune part the veil and, and receive that we can receive those things early like an advanced copy like hey here you go kind of a thing i don't know like what what do you guys think i'm kind of thinking our scriptures now are sealed <laughs> yeah <that's very> <laughs> <point>. <laughs> that it, and so it's up to us to unseal it like you can just read it or you can do the dives mm -hmm. um I've never thought about will the sealed portion come by it. I've always thought, wondered if the 10 tribes will bring them with them, the tribes 
the different groups will bring them with them. Well, you know, because you've read, um, you've listened to, they saw our day and he talks about that. Mm-hmm. But I haven't oh. thought about receiving them on our own from the Lord. Well, it says too in, in the Book of Mormon that the 10 tribes will bring their scriptures. So there would definitely be more from them in that sense. But but they also, you know, there's the price words that we don't have and ether and all sorts of things that are here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Buried somewhere. So many different things. So are you specifically talking about uh, the book of scripture being unsealed? I'm just wondering is if we, as we study and we learn that those principles that are in the sealed portions will be taught and will have understanding Mm -hmm. that we don't necessarily need the sealed portions. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> because like, you know, there's lots of different things that come forth, right? Like the the Niminar records or, or this or that, that um, I, I find a lot of truth in some of these things, but yet um, is that uh, a collective type of revelation or um, I don't know. I, I don't know what my, my full-on question is there, but um, just like, I think you're asking, is it going to come forth like the Book of Mormon did with Joseph Smith? Uh-huh, yeah. Is that and what you're asking? Is it going to come forth like that? So if we were to like narrow it down to specifically like the sealed portion prophecies, like when we finally get the sealed portion kind of a thing. Yeah. So uh, like you were saying, uh, the Book of Mormon itself is sealed to us without the right tools kind of a thing. Uh, or is it going to be the prophet translating uh, golden plates again kind of thing? <laughs> I guess yeah because I, I think that there's lots of different scenarios and so that's why it's kind of hard for me to define because like I think it'll come in lots of different ways based on which records we're we're actually talking about mm-hmm. yeah. very interesting yeah um <laughs> and Eldon yeah shall we get back to the lecture <laughs> yeah <laughs> um let's see looking for some more smiley notes as we get to like the the plagues and calamities that these covenant curses are the they come upon us for a reason right like upon my house it shall begin and so i really love that it's kind of around uh minute 47 where we are are talking about those covenant curses coming upon us and um we have to be able to to recognize the the babylon the idolatry that we are immersed in before we can start reversing plagues and calamities. Uh, like we see in lecture two, uh, it's all about that redemptive suffering and how to actually kind of reverse course. Um, but I really loved um, how he uh, applies all of that uh, in that section there. So I just had a whole train of thought as you were talking about this um, plagues and calamities. And then I was thinking of the blessings um, does my mind always goes to Leviticus 26 and keeping the Sabbath day holy, the plagues that are promised if you don't, and the blessings that are promised if you do, which then led me to the doctrine and covenants. This is how my brain works, <laughs> um, where we're promised that um, when you when you do what I say, 
you do not what I say, you have no promise, right? And that we've always kind of been told to look for the blessings. I'm just saying, do these plagues and calamities, are these the, the same thing that we're learning in the Doctrine and Covenants? Right? That, that you don't have the promise. That's the, that's the overall plague and calamity is the curse of not having a, the blessing. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And one of the other things, too, from Cameron's Minute 47, they talk a lot about um, covenant curses being enemy invasion, um, retreating before your enemies. And then right up at the beginning at about minute seven, um, Abraham talks about our birthright tribe responsibility coming through Joseph and how Joseph was sold into slavery so that he could deliver his brethren. And he actually says that we must go through the same motions. So there's a lot of a sense that there will be a time of bondage and slavery that we will go through because of our responsibility to our brethren. I just, that worries me because I, I think we had this discussion last week that we're already in bondage and slavery, but we don't realize it. So will it get so bad that we'll finally realize it? And that's what worries me because I don't, I don't want to be that much in bondage and slavery. <laughs> um. It does make you wonder, it made me wonder when I read those two sections and I saw those connections, mm -hmm. how that <clears throat> could possibly play out. And there's other, I know there's other scriptures that say that we will be chastened and because of our chastening, we will be healed almost collectively as a nation. Mm -hmm. As a nation or as when you say nation, you don't mean like earthly nations, but as a covenant people nation. I also mean this land, of, which is a covenant land. Okay. Um, yeah, I read these same things in the same area. They shall retreat at utter confusion. And you were saying it, Lisa that um, I think it's up at the beginning and I didn't scroll up there about how will, oh, the enemy invasion. And I remember reading that in Leviticus 26 and thinking, isn't that what we're all experiencing and afraid of now is terrorism? Isn't that what that is? Like we're already in a way, I mean, I think there's gonna be a bigger invasion, but I'm just saying, are we not experiencing that into some degree? Have you seen the border? like right now like oh how many, yeah yeah it's it's about to come undone and that's where we lived before we moved up here right on that border that like right there the last ward in our stake you turned when you saw the border crossing you turned left <laughs> went to the building like that and that wasn't very far from my house I know that area very well and I just have wondered often if that's why the Lord moved us up here a few years ago. I, I was always um, 
kind of caught when the scripture that says that nobody will come into this land without the hand of the Lord. And I, I always thought, oh yeah, that's, you know, so people can have freedom and, and the pilgrims and whatnot. And then when the borders are being infiltrated, I just couldn't um, align that. I'm like, well, how can that be a good thing that, that um, this is happening with um, the terrorism and just the influx of people not following the legal immigration laws and then understanding through Isaiah that um, the Lord has two hands and he directs both hands and it doesn't mean that people come into the country for good it just means that the Lord drew them here for his purpose and he has two purposes destruction and deliverance and so as I watch that happening it's just it it's kind of thrilling to me and trying not to be a morbid person, but to see movement, to see um, we're marching toward all of the goodness. And it is scary. Um, it can be scary, but the more we learn and understand, the less scary it is. And that's the whole point that we give ourselves completely to the Lord, um, trusting that everything is, is directed by him everything, even the, the, the scary and sad parts. Thank you. That's so beautifully said, Elise, And I couldn't agree more. I, I feel like that's one of the greatest things that I have learned from Isaiah is the rec, you know, the two hands that, and, and the comfort it does bring just knowing, um, reminding us that, you know, everything that happens is like God is com in complete control and, and really just, just to continually strive to trust him and, and have faith in him. And yeah, that everything is, he is just so aware of everything and that is comfort. So I, yeah, I love, I love that. I'm, I also want to say that we're not the only country being invaded. And there was a time when the church said, stay and build Zion there. So we have Zion all over, right? We have stakes of Zion all over. And those, we're not the only country being invaded, having the same thing happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's very interesting, right? Because with the, the scriptural precedents, Isaiah and stuff, he's he's very much focused on uh, what was then and and what will be. And that's why uh, code names and metaphors and stuff can can apply on on lots of different levels there i love that uh, it reminds me of like the dominoes that he talks about like around the the hour mark uh, of the the piece or whatever and looking at those dominoes that that fall we have the uh, apostasy the tower of babel captivity the call of abraham uh deliverance from sodom cosmic disturbance like there's all of these dominoes that really start happening. And, and like we were talking about here, uh, the borders, the left hand, the right hand, and all of that um, start playing in. And it, and it brings a lot of comfort once you know the pattern. But if you're just in kind of chaos, then it's like, what's going to happen? Um, yeah. I think that that's why like Ezra's eagle prophecy and, and different uh, scriptures, Daniel and everything, really helped me navigate uh, like the last election and, and different things like that. Because instead of just being kind of wild and up in the air with only my perspective 
it kind of helps broaden the whole thing and go, oh, okay, so the Lord's in charge. He's got this under control, and, and here's what to expect. Here's what we can do. Um, and that's why when um, the the dominoes principle from Avraham, like it struck me like a, a ton of bricks. Here's the, the link to all of those if, if you want them. Um, he, I can't remember which book he like lines out all 30 of them in, but uh, there on Isaiah Explained is where I, I always go back to um, because it's just kind of like the roadmap for um, the coming <laughs> uh, craziness of the world kind of thing. And so that, uh, like Shalee says, it, it just gives me a lot of peace. Um, yeah, the, the world's falling apart because of uh, disobedience and everything. But uh, at the same time, I can learn how to navigate the course ahead kind of thing. I love that. I love Isaiah's gift of those dominoes kind of thing. And the, you know, so seeing that, seeing that God is control, he, you know, and, and then also that they're, um there's there's things that are in our power that we can things that we can do to prepare ourselves right it's not just like this is going to happen good luck right and and i loved how i love how um you know we're invited to look at the idolatry and the the i don't know all these things that are our that we're being accused of right to look at it and um and and it's sad like i you know i as i have woken up to it it's really hard and sad to to be confronted with that and like oh my gosh that's me you know it's not just those awful jews <laughs> i never thought they're awful but like um but there's things that we can do. And I love how Avraham said somewhere, and I can't find where it was written, but he was saying like the, oh, I'm going to slaughter it, but something about kind of the answer to idolatry or not idolatry, sorry, iniquity um, was to search the scriptures. <laughs> and anyways, just things like that. So like we, as we do these things, we yeah, we are prepared. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he kind of brings up like two different uh, principles along with that. The uh, the Kavlikov, Kavlikov, Tavlitov, Tavlitov principle, parroting. And then also uh, when he's talking about like those, uh, the concordance that he's put in the back of um, his one translation <laughs> book and um, there on Isaiah explained, excellent. But yeah, yeah, it's the remedy for combating idolatry because idolatry comes when you've distanced yourself from the lord and you're trying to worship whatever <laughs> instead of god and so it really comes back to the scriptures and actually building our scriptural muscles to search the mysteries uh being able to to digest the meat is where we go oh i'm worshiping the wrong things and and here's the opposite and this is how i can reverse course and, and do that and so that was like I think the very first time that I listened to the lectures, I was like, that was a transformational principle to me. And I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. Okay, got it. <laughs> Study the scriptures. Don't be lazy learners. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Because I think the scriptures is the answer to everything. Yeah, so it really is. <laughs> like you keep seeing all these little memes. If you want Heavenly Father to speak to you, read the scriptures, mm -hmm. you know, 
you want to get the answers to your prayers, read the scriptures. If you, you know, that's where all the answers are. Yeah. Well, and, and then in particular, he points out how the key to all the scriptures is Isaiah, you know, and, and that again, it's so interesting that if you, I'm guessing if you take a poll of most Latter-day Saints, that's like the scripture that is the most feared or avoided or misunderstood. Right. And I, again, I, I was there and just beginning my journey there but um so yeah i love that all of a sudden like alicia was mentioning earlier how this scripture took her there it's like all of a sudden things you start seeing it as a whole instead of just random stories with a few great lessons right you start learning seeing the whole and i think he's talked of that somewhere but Mm -hmm. can't find where I write things down <laughs> I know it's kind of hard to... <laughs> but yeah uh, totally I remember the first time that I was reading what was it I think Journey to the Veil uh the the first book um when uh Brother John as <laughs> refers to himself um, <laughs> is that if you want to learn how to to search the mysteries here's how I would describe it here's um the I think 300 level course or, or something like that. And he says, but just start reading the scriptures. And as soon as you come across something that's like, huh? Or like, has that always been there? Or, you know, like anytime that you get a question mark over your head, that means that that mystery is now available to unlock and the Lord is guiding you to it. So start digging. And oh, I love that. It, it was just like an amazing principle. I, I, I'll try to find like the actual reference in, uh, the the journey to the bell thing but um i find that as i go back to the scriptures that that is such a true principle that we're only kept from the mysteries because we know not how to find them or how to to search for them um and so as you're reading the scriptures as soon as you come across something that uh, raises that that question mark it means like that actual experience that feeling that you're having is the holy ghost telling you this is now yours to have if you'll pay the price for it kind of a thing and and that oh man that changed my whole study habit of of the scriptures and stuff because usually it's just like oh i wonder what that means and so you'll put like a little note in your lds tools app or whatever your scripture reader and you're like oh yeah like come back to this sometime no <laughs> it's there right now the holy ghost is telling you this is yours uh, open it up. This is a, a gift being given, kind of a thing. It was a hey, I really appreciate you sharing that, Cameron, because I've <clears throat> read Journey to the Veil several times, and I just never clued into that. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I'll try to find the reference and, and send that out. But um, it was, uh, oh man, it just changes everything. And not to to throw it into a total tangent, but um, we were doing the. Isaiah made simple book club on uh, Tuesdays and stuff. And it was just really interesting uh, trying to dive in with multiple people coming from lots of different backgrounds. So some have been in Isaiah a lot, some haven't. This is their first experience to Isaiah and uh, me as a moderator trying to kind of uh, <laughs> navigate all that. It's very interesting how when we're all on different pages like that, that what 
is a mystery for me is not a mystery for somebody else, right? And I mean, that seems pretty obvious. But as you're talking about it in a group, I find Isaiah Made Simple very difficult to discuss as a group because we're all reading Isaiah from a different paradigm, a different perspective. And what might be a mystery here might not be a mystery there. And um, it's very hard to kind of discuss the, the scriptures in a very basic elemental way uh, as a group, if that makes sense. It's much easier to look at commentary like Alvarham provides here and opine on it versus basic study skills like just learning how to study is a such an individual process that it needs to be kind of like one-on-one -on -one with the Lord. It, you can teach some of the principles behind it, but actually doing it in a group is like kind of pulling teeth. <laughs> I don't That's know. interesting because isn't that what President Nelson told us is that no one can teach you except the Lord? Yeah. <laughs> study it out and figure it out and he will teach you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he also yeah. teaches you through attending your church meetings. Um, it's not like we need to just, you know, wrestle with the Lord or with the scriptures on our own, because I've had some recent really strong testimonies come to me of just attending and going to a class and sitting there saying, okay, what does the Lord want to show me? What is going to be relevant in this lesson for me? And I have been blown away. One experience in particular, which it is based upon something that was taught that president, which does not surprise me, that President Nelson uh, taught, because he's been very influential for me personally in a very positive way, but that amplified in my life and the Lord had, I thought I was done with, with that. I thought I was complete. He took me on such a learning journey from that. And I'm thinking I'm so grateful that I attended that class and re-listened to something I thought I had mastered. And then had such a learning journey. Mm -hmm. I would never have dreamed possible. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. I can't remember which prophet this is attributed to or whatever. I, it kind of runs in my head, Kimball, but it could be somebody else. I don't know. But um, saying that, like, I've never attended a boring sacrament meeting, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've attended several. <laughs> but. <laughs> Whatever situation you find yourself in, whether it's a class, whether it's a temple, whether it's church, whether it's just your personal scripture study, if you're not getting entertained out of it, or, or if you're, uh, it, it's your fault. Like you're the one to, you need to be bringing more to it if that's your your whole thing, right? Um, and again, this is a controversial one, but like if you're going to, to conference only looking to be offended, you're going to get offended. You're going to find what you're looking for kind of a thing, right? And I, I've been there before and I'm like, oh, that thing just rubbed me the wrong way <laughs> kind of a thing. And then it takes a wrestle, right? And I find that that's kind of like the opposite of what we're talking about here where um, finding a mystery kind of a thing. But anytime that the Lord places a stumbling block or a challenge in front of us, it's like, hey, you're ready to, to tackle this now. Like I've given you all the tools and you're ready to, to go on this journey to wrestle with whatever you're feeling and come out on the other side, a better person for it kind of a thing. And so uh, anytime that uh, someone tells me that they've had a really hard time with so-and-so or uh, this principle or something that's happened, I'm like, it's an exciting time for you because the spirit is 
placing you here saying, you've got this and this is going to be hard, but I'm right here and we're going to get through this kind of a thing. It, it's exciting rather than just calling it quits or throwing the white flag kind of a thing <laughs> and just giving into it, uh, actually going, hmm, the Lord has trusted me and he apparently has all the tools necessary that I can uh, now make it through this kind of a, a trial or this learning curve or or whatever. That was kind of a really long tangent. <laughs> That's cool though. That's such an yeah. amazing concept, principle, whatever you want to call it, um, that if we were if we are aware of is so powerful instead of, you know, how, how many call it quits instead of taking the invitation. And I just, I love that you shared that because yeah, that's, that's important. No, actually, I think you said that because I needed to hear it. <laughs> I'll stop just keep making my adding to my list of things to study and actually just stop and study them. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh, you could do that too. Yeah. Like I have a like huge list and then it's like just pick one. Like any of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Cameron. We just had a um state conference with Elder Hymenas and he kept telling us to be awake. And he used that word so many times. And he also prompted us in um, many of the meetings to listen to the things that are not said. But that was what we were there for. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah my conference notebook is pretty basic and boring, really. And like I used to just be, uh, I think it's Bednar, right, that kind of said how to revamp this or whatever if you're going just like word for word and trying to like uh write down all of these cool quotes and stuff that said and ignoring the spirit when it's prompting you like write those things down and so now it's just i i have like one or two different little sayings or promptings that um come to me from, from the holy ghost and it those mean so much more than i probably bad to say than the conference talks themselves because you'll get the conference talks they'll be transcribed and, and available later kind of a thing but like in the moment like don't ever ignore the the promptings and, and this great spiritual tutelage that that we can receive there um <laughs> never mind I, I i won't go on that tangent <laughs> but um anyway question. I think it's very interesting so question do you think <laughs> this is my like <laughs> the critical part of me so yeah correct me um do you think that maybe sometimes the thing you're supposed to get out of the meeting is <laughs> is like somebody says something and you're like the spirit confirming to you that's not truth or that's not that's a precept of men i don't know do you think because like none of us are, are perfect right so right like even our our speakers are right not we shouldn't expect that yeah but but like sometimes just kind of that like learning to learning to discern and listen to spirit witness to you whether what is said is truth versus a precept of men or something mm -hmm. right? like fairly recently i had that same kind of experience right where um somebody was was speaking 
And I was like, Ugh. it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But then at the same time, the spirit was like, the sentiment is correct. The way they worded it was a precept of men kind of a thing. So like, don't get graded by <laughs> how, how jarring that was, but knowing what is truth and, and what was revealed as truth, like take it in the way that the spirit intended it versus our inadequacies to, to voice it properly kind of a thing. Yeah. A huge learning curve. And, yeah. And instead of maybe, okay, this I something I've been guilty of is kind of the just, you know, if I if I'm sitting there just being critical, that's not that's really not helping me. That's detrimental. That's it's not inviting the pride either. Yeah, it doesn't allow the spirit to teach. So, you know, I'm like, I, there's times I can see like I've been full of pride or something. And, and so, but, but you can, you can recognize like something that's like, oh, that's not true. It doesn't change how you view the person, love the person or whatever. It's just an observation. It's a learning experience, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so kind of like applying that to Isaiah and what Avraham's talking about here, like use the concordance, do the word searches, because you got to find out what Isaiah means by that. Like he has a different paradigm um, that he's say, like his words are very specific and, and orchestrated. Right. And so it's, it's, it's that exercise that you're talking about of learning to distinguish truth and, and from error and stuff. And like learning what God's definition is, uh, learning what Isaiah is defining a word as and, and things. And um, yeah, it, it, like everything, all moments of our lives are these learning opportunities to lean into the spirit and um, find out how he tutors us personally, kind of a thing, if that makes sense. I don't know. I <laughs> Now that I'm like trying to put it out loud, again, uh, precepts of men, because I, I can't voice what I'm thinking, uh, it, but it made sense in my head. Aren't you really looking forward to the time where we can just communicate without words? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that we understand the full meaning and thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the full intent of, of things. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Maria puts in the chat that Elder Bednar says this exact thing. He came a few months ago and said he hoped we didn't remember anything he said, only what the Spirit taught us. He told us not to write down anything he said, just listen what the spirit is saying to us individually i think that that's so crucial like bednar is such a, a good um tutor for the mysteries right uh, like he's not just like giving them to us but he's giving us all of the good tools uh like that right uh, listen to, to what's not being said and and what you're feeling what the spirit's uh, teaching you personally um looking at my smiley notes here um i like that he he really puts it that isaiah is the centerpiece of all scriptures um if there was a tapestry they would all relate to each other through isaiah that isaiah is the key and isn't that quite amazing because it's the hardest thing for us uh, <laughs> he then goes into the, like the soldier story right like oh the bullet stopped at isaiah kind of thing but that's how you know what's truth 
because it's hard, right? Like if anything's really hard to get through, hard to understand, it means that it's the advanced kind of things or whatever. And it's kind of like this, this center point. Um, so I ask myself this a lot of times, but um, as kind of like a, a devil's advocate question, right? When you go through the temple, especially prior to the latest changes or whatever, I, sometimes I would kind of find myself going, Christ is really hidden in the endowment. <laughs> like it, it's the creation, the Adam and Eve story and stuff like that. Like I wish there was more Christ and uh, awesome that there, that there is more, but it, it needs a struggle in order for you to really understand that, oh, it's, he's literally everywhere. He's all throughout the endowment, but it's not just blatantly given to you because that's, that's the crux of it. That's the, the focus, but yet you need to kind of work for it just a little bit kind of a thing. And so I find that with Isaiah, that where is Christ in Isaiah? He's all the way through it. And it takes a lot of, of effort to really understand Isaiah and then really unwrap all of the beautiful intricacies that, that Christ is all the way through it. Um, anyway, yeah, I just totally agreeing with what Abraham says there, that it's the centerpiece and Christ actually commands us to study that. I think Eldon referenced that in the, the chat earlier. Uh, 35, yeah, there it is, 23.1. Um, but anyway, search the, the words of Isaiah. It's quite amazing. I've been looking down at your next smiley face about the book of Revelation. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's interesting because anytime if you've been to any of Abraham's Q and A's, right? He's like, I don't really do Revelation. Don't ask me timelines. Don't ask me to compare Isaiah to all of these other ones. I'm focusing on Isaiah. That's his mission. <laughs> but I'm just wondering. Well, no, he goes. I don't even. There's few things I can connect to exactly. Isaiah, right? But I'm just wondering if they if they all kind of, they all have to kind of say the same thing because they're all prophesying of the same events. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's just written in a different way that he doesn't read. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because he's, he's so focused on Isaiah. It reminds me of like the, the six blind men of Indistan, right? Except mm -hmm. all of these prophets are not blind. They're the very antithesis of blind. But yet it's kind of, what somebody described it to me not too long ago this way it's like the oh my gosh what's the word the four gospels what do, what do you call those the it's not the diaspora <laughs> anyway, when you take a look at the four gospels they're all written to different audiences and then you have to take that into consideration based on what they're choosing to emphasize kind of a thing and so i have to wonder if uh the same applies to all of these apocalyptic prophets that Isaiah and Daniel and everything, like they're all seeing the same event. They're all doing the same thing, but they're kind of like the, the six blind men of Indistan. One is describing the ear for this audience. One is describing the tail for this audience. And one is describing the trunk and, and this for this audience. But yet it's interesting that like Nephi is commanded not to write the things that that'll be given to John, that, um, that you kind of have John being the overarching um, visionary, but then you have all these other ones that are describing these very important chunks that we all need to study in order to understand the whole elephant, but yet trying to 
recreated it, it's going to be more of a Picasso elephant <laughs> than a, a true to form kind of thing because timelines are not meant to be placed into a box that um, with our, our own precepts of men kind of a thing. And so, uh, it, I don't know, that was just an interesting concept that was uh, shared with me. And I'm like, oh, consider the audience to which they're writing and um, see what you can gain from that one before you can move to another paradigm and and see it from a totally different angle kind of a thing. Uh, anyway, that, that changed the way I looked at it. I wonder if, yeah, I think you said that, like it's a different audience, a different like everybody's, our view of it's going to be different than people's view on a different part of the world. Mm -hmm. I think that was one of the big shocks to me as I read through Isaiah and he just, he and Abraham explained who the Gentiles were. And um, of course that even is the same in the Book of Mormon. It was a huge shock that it was directed at me. I mean, at Latter-day Saints, like that thing still shakes me to my core when I'm reading I'm like oh my gosh this is us like our tiny little group in the whole scheme of the world this is us and we better get our act together yeah. I love that yeah it was a huge wake up for me too just like oh because I've always used the term gentiles as them <laughs> yeah somebody else <laughs> but, but man it and and it's a scathing review of of ourselves in our current condition isn't it it really is. Any other uh, specific points that you wanted to cover before we leave lecture one? Um, okay, going way back, I'm in at 37. We talked about this in Modern Idolatry. It was 3720. Oops, I passed it. But I just thought it was interesting. He goes, can it get any worse? The chapter of 56 starts off talking about the foreigners, the aliens who are the slaves to God's covenant people, the eunuchs, people captured from foreign nations who are doing all the menial work in the Lord's kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. And so they're saying to themselves, I am of no worth. What am I? Look at all these people here around me. They have all these glorious promises and they have a covenant God and I don't. The Lord takes them to task and says, oh, no, we're going to get to that in the next lesson or so. Anyway, I just first I just thought we talked about that in modern idolatry about we think we have no slaves, but all the stuff we purchase is made from slave labor. So that was interesting. And then I just my heart just kind of turned um, about look at all these people around me. They have all these glorious promises and they have a covenant God and I don't, and just how downtrodden and hopeless they feel. And yet they're not, they're all, they're God's children too. And I just love, I just loved that part of how the Lord's love is for everyone, just that emphasis again. And because even, I think sometimes we even read that as we're the slaves, you know, because in a way we kind of are. But, um, and we feel like I don't have these glorious promises. I'm not good enough. I'm not whatever. Okay, so I have the covenant, but does it really draw me in? You know what I mean? I know that at different times in life, we all have those thoughts of not 
being good enough for the Lord. And so I loved that part, how the Lord just draws us in. And he always does. He's always got that, that arm extended towards us in that way. Yeah. And right there at the end of that, it says, and your blessings are as great as any Israelite. And we know that, but sometimes it's hard to know that. Do you know what I mean? Like you to really internalize that. All we see in this life is, is the heaviness of this life, the trudgery and um, how laborious it is. And I guess in some way, that's part of the reason I've been watching some of those near-death experiences is just to be reminded that this world isn't what it is. This is not life. Mm -hmm. There's more. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Anyway. Um, so if there's no other parts uh, to discuss, so next week we'll do the first half of lecture two. I'll let you guys decide what the half mark is. <laughs> It'll be kind of ambiguous, but um, uh, we'll kind of break it into to two different sections. Next week will be the first half, and then the week after that, we'll do the second half of, of lecture two. So um, just a quick uh, reminder on, uh, here's the, the main document. You can click and view the Google Doc or the audio file here uh, to transcribe if you're wanting to. Um, and then uh, coming in here, if we each took about three sections, uh, we could uh, get to that midway point and do that. If you can, the earlier the better in the week so that people can can go through and, and read it afterward. But um, again, uh, thanks for any help that anyone's willing to, to give on that. Uh, super appreciative of it. Um, and then if you have any questions in the meantime, I'll try to be better at answering my emails this week. I know there was a couple of people asking me about translation or transcriptions and stuff and I, I just didn't even see him in time. Um, but yeah. Um, anything else? I think we're good. <laughs> anyway, yeah, a, a super fun discussion and, and everything. So looking forward to, uh, especially next week, uh, redemptive suffering and Hezekiah story and, and all of that. It's going to be a fun one. All right. Well, have a great week, everyone. We'll see y'all later. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.